Hello, sports fans, and welcome to Let Me Speak, the show that shares sports' biggest headlines explained, uninterrupted, and maybe a little audacious. I'm Joe Braverman, and today's topics we'll be discussing are the state of the NFL after Week 14 and making picks for Week 15. Plus, where does Steph Curry rank among the all-time greats in the NBA? And how the sports world can work through the latest COVID outbreak. It's episode 52 of Let Me Speak, and it starts right now. What's happening, everybody, here on Thursday, December 16th, 2021, episode 52 of Let Me Speak. Can't believe we're 52 episodes into this, everyone. Thank you for watching us on YouTube. If you're listening to us, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, no matter if you're a new listener or have been listening since the very beginning, can't believe it's gone this far. And we're almost there into 2022, getting on to a whole new slate of this podcast hopefully this thing goes above and beyond but there's so much going on in the sports world we gotta dive right into it and talk right away about the nfl because playoff time is getting closer and closer and there's just headlines here headlines there of course the overnight headline has been urban meyer getting the boot in jacksonville and honestly that headline is just like a duh kind of thing you knew he wasn't gonna last there you know it was like Kicking Josh Lambeau was the final straw for that Jaguars organization saying, you know what, this is just not going to work. And ultimately, you know, you look at guys in the past who have made the transition from college to the NFL. Urban Meyer just couldn't last. He couldn't hang in the NFL. You know, it's different with different situations. He's got Nick Saban going from LSU to then the Dolphins and then back to Alabama. Didn't work in the NFL, clearly working in the college game. You got Pete Carroll, did great at USC, doing even better with the Seahawks right now. Urban Meyer is a lifetime college coach, and he learned in a big way that your style of coaching in college is 10 times different when you get to the NFL. I mean, these are grown men, and you can't use those same college tactics that you were doing against, you know, young adults or young interns and the coaching staff and stuff like that. So honestly, with everything that Urban Meyer has done since he took the reins for the Jaguars, everyone saw this coming. It was almost like delaying the inevitable, but I am kind of surprised that it happened right before week 15 instead of carrying out the whole year. But who knows if this is the turning point for uh, Jacksonville and that franchise. Just keep in mind for a few names, maybe Josh McDaniels from the Pats, Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, Byron Leftwich from the Bucks. You know, those are a couple names that might be popping up. So just keep your eyes on that. But we got to get to what's going on on the field. And like I said, ahead of week 15 is where the firing of Urban Meyer made. We've got a special guest picker for our week 15 slate of games. And let me tell you, it's a fun segment. But before we get into week 15, let's talk about the previous week, week 14. And honestly, My impression was that this was the week of large leads 
almost getting lost. You know, there were multiple games where, you know, it seemed kind of bleak. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's, it's a close game just like that. And really the first one was between Baltimore and Cleveland. Now, I would say this is more about uh, Cleveland than Baltimore because, let's face it, the Ravens, they did lose the game and they lost Lamar Jackson. Luckily, it's just an ankle sprain. They did keep it to two, 24-22, even though they were down uh, a lot at halftime. But ultimately, just quick notes on the Ravens. They're not a playoff team without Lamar Jackson. They're not, okay? Jackson is just that much of the focal point of this offense. And even with Jackson, Tyler Huntley at quarterback was able to flash what the offense can do when Jackson isn't the focal point on offense. You look at some of the numbers that they had. Huntley was 27 of 38 for 270 and a touchdown. You see, you saw Devontae Freeman get 64 yards on only 13 carries. That's that's what's got to get better is not just the passing game, but someone other than Lamar Jackson has to run the ball. Like I said last week. Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray. I know they have a ton of injuries and they're kind of behind the eight ball in that remark, but it's got to be someone other than the quarterback making all of these plays. You know, you don't want someone throwing it 50 times and running it 20 times. You don't want that. But like I said, this is more about Cleveland to me because they've got bigger problems no matter how much they've survived. And this is taking all the players who are in the COVID protocols out of it okay this was a team that had a 24 to 6 lead at halftime okay and they were outscored 16 nothing in the second half you look at what that offense did they totally stalled out in the most crucial part of that game in the fourth quarter you know this was the offense that carried them last year but just looking at some of the numbers baker mayfield was 22 of 32 a buck 90 two touchdowns and a pick they only had 100 total team rushing yards okay and not only that, but on the other side of the ball, this was a defense that nearly allowed 400 yards to a depleted Baltimore team. So even if Cleveland gets into the playoffs, I don't, I don't see them going that far unless they automatically turn on the switch because the standings right now, they're the first team out in the AFC. But you got to remember that division is tight with them and the Ravens and the Steelers and the Bengals. So it's going to be tight. But I think the problems are more within the Browns where I can't confidently say that they will get into the playoffs and end the schedule and the regular season on a high note because an injury depleted Baltimore team nearly came back from down 24, uh, 20, 24 to six at halftime and almost came back to beat you. So this was also a Tyler Huntley, you know, it's not Lamar Jackson. So, you know, the Browns should be lucky, very lucky that they got out of that with a win and that they're still alive in the playoffs. But another team that's got to be lucky are the Cowboys. I mean, early on in that game in the nation's capital, they were instilling a ton of confidence into what I think they could have been. You know, I've said for weeks now that when healthy, this Dallas team is a top team. Well, now it seems like they were fully healthy. And they get out to a 24-0 lead at halftime. And then what happens in the second half? 20-3 to they were outscored in the second half. They did win 27-20, to but this Dallas team just can't get out of their own way. I mean, when you look at when it was in the fourth quarter, I think it was like 24-8 or something, you know, you couldn't just play conservative, you know. You could have just handed the ball off to Corey Clement 
and Ezekiel Elliott and just keep time off the clock. But no, Prescott, Dak Prescott has to throw a pick six on top of another interception that he had. He only had 211 yards in the game. And with the weapons that they have, this offense should be 10 times better. I mean, you you got a bona fide number one in Amari Cooper. You got CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Dalton Schultz is coming alive at the tight end spot. This is a team that should be one of the top offenses in the league, and yet they're only mustering out a handful of drives and not only scoring a field goal in the entire second half, you know, being outscored 20 to three. But I mean, last week for Dallas was all about the defense. And let me tell you about Micah Parsons. That guy is a stud. I mean, not only did this team force four turnovers, they sacked both Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke five times. And ultimately with Micah Parsons leading the way, he had two of the sacks, but I think after that game, he has leapfrogged himself into defensive player of the year category. He's the defensive rookie of the year without a shadow of a doubt, unless he gets hurt. And even so, I think no one could touch him on the defensive end for rookie of the year. But in terms of defensive player of the year, I mean, you're putting him alongside Miles Garrett, uh, his teammate on Dallas, Trayvon Diggs, J.C. Jackson, T.J. Watt. I mean, this guy could be a finalist. And you know who the last guy to do that was? Lawrence freaking Taylor, okay? And he's a Hall of Famer, possibly the best defensive player in NFL history. If he's in that conversation, watch out for this Dallas defense. They could have a really good defense for years to come. But with the here and now, the Cowboys, I think they do have the NFC East wrapped up. I think they have it wrapped up you know, looking at where they are in the standings and the the gap that they have over Washington and Philly. I still think, though, that they're the fifth best team in the NFC right now. I think, you know, not ranking them right now, but when you look at the standings, they're fourth. You know, they're the worst team among the division leaders. But even I think the Rams sitting at the five spot in that first wild card spot. I think are better than them right now. So Cowboys, you got to fix yourselves on offense and show everyone what kind of offense you can be. And I think it starts and ends with Dak Prescott being not just making smart decisions essentially is for Dak Prescott. No, you know, terrible interceptions like we saw against Washington, you know, finding the open receiver, not gambling and taking chances, being smart while being at the quarterback position. But, I mean, they've got their playoff spot, it seems like, wrapped up. Two teams that didn't have it locked up, though, 49ers and Bengals. Maybe the game of the week between those two. Going to overtime in Cincinnati with San Fran winning 26-23. Let me tell you about this San Francisco team. I talked about them as a team to watch for last week, but they are getting hot at the right time. They've won four out of their last five. Even in that loss, they've scored over 20 points. You know, they had a three-game winning streak at one point where they scored over 30. And like I said, we're learning that George Kittle to Jimmy Garoppolo is essentially that connection that makes the quarterback and the other player 10 times better, like a Rob Gronkowski to Tom Brady or Jerry Rice to Joe Montana, uh, Michael Irvin to Troy Aikman, you know, all those guys. Because Kittle is a beast right now, okay? In that game alone, 13 catches, 151 yards and a touchdown. 
This is coming off last week's game in a loss to Seattle where he caught the ball nine times, a buck 81, and two touchdowns, okay? This offense has the capabilities of being dangerous. You know, you have a healthy Elijah Mitchell. I know he didn't play in the Cincinnati game, but he is going to get healthy. But then you've got receivers like Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, which, by the way, Ayuk, that move to score the touchdown in overtime, wow, play of the week play of the week and maybe of the season for that 49ers team. But when you look at that schedule too, it's also favorable for what they have. They host the Falcons this week. Then they've got a Thursday night game in Tennessee against the Titans. Then they host the Texans and they go to the Rams. I think when you look at the standings, the way they are right now, they're currently six. So they're right in the middle. They've got a couple of six and seven teams uh, chasing them right now. But I think among those four games, you go two and two, you clinch your spot because I think San Francisco is a team to be reckoned with. Not only the great offense, but as we saw in the Super Bowl year, their defensive line is one of the best. I think this is a San Francisco team that can make the playoffs. I really do think they can, and they can be a dangerous team, you know, maybe put some of those division leaders on upset alert. That's what I think with San Fran, but on the other side of the ball, the Bengals, again, they just seem too young and inconsistent to really trust on a weekly basis because, you know, Joe Burrow is great, but he was sacked five times, another five times. And he's been sacked the most times in the NFL, 41 times. Okay. You also have the two fumbles by Darius Phillips on special teams. Now at their fullest potential, Joe Burrow and the offense are great. They're absolutely stacked, you know, nearly 400 yards of offense against the 49ers. Joe Mixon to me is a, top 10 running back in the league at least. I mean, he's the second leading rusher in the NFL and he's third in the league in rushing touchdowns. But last Sunday, he just couldn't make the impact. You know, he carried the ball 18 times, but again, the San Fran defensive line was great at stopping the run, only giving him 58 yards. But even in the passing game, you got Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzama. I think this is a team at their fullest potential is very, very dangerous. But they're just like, they're just too young. That's it. It's just young and inexperienced. I think this is a team to be reckoned with for next year. And plus, the schedule doesn't even get easier this year. They're at the Broncos. They host the Ravens. They host the Chiefs. And they're at the Browns. So the schedule is not favorable for Cincinnati right now. And the way they stand, they're ninth in the playoff race right now, currently in the ninth spot. So I'm not really expecting Cincinnati to make a ton of noise and get into the playoffs, but who knows? It's like night and day with that Cincinnati team. So we'll have to see what the Bengals do for the rest of the year. But when it comes to next year, they're going to be dangerous, especially with an improved, hopefully an improved offensive line, but a team that is sliding and sliding and sliding are the bills. I talked about the bills last week with that Patriots loss and the wind, but they just continue to slide. Now they lose in overtime to Tampa Bay, 33-27, excuse me. And this was really on both sides where you could see the flaws. I mean, the Bucs led 24-3 at halftime and then 27-10 with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes Buffalo. But then they eventually lose in overtime. Now, Tom Brady in the offense looks great. I'm going to keep saying that over and over and over. They've got a ton of weapons right now. I mean, last Sunday, Brady was 31 of 46, 363, two touchdowns, maybe the MVP for right now. 
And you got Leonard Fournette, who's turned into beast mode in the backfield. I mean, 19 carries, a buck 13, a touchdown last Sunday. But, I mean, you look at the numbers from the last three games for Fournette, he's got 257 yards rushing, 98 yards receiving, and six touchdowns, okay? And one player you really might want to keep your eyes on is Brashad Perriman, okay? You remember last year when Antonio Brown got signed later on after his suspension was over, and boom, he comes and makes an impact. Rashad Perriman could be that exact same thing for this Tampa team because all the focus is going on Fournette and Gronkowski and Evans and Godwin. Here comes Perriman where he's now a few weeks into this offense. I know he only caught one ball, which was the game-winning touchdown, but he could be that X factor for this Tampa team to see how far they can go. I still got questions defensively for Tampa considering they they blew that lead. They allowed almost 500 yards to this Buffalo team. But to me, they're still a top three team in the NFC. I mean, the way it's looking right now, I think the Packers are the best team as of right now. The Cardinals are second, and then the Buccaneers are third. That's the way I see it. And, you know, that could change on a weekly basis. But Tampa is for sure a top three team in the NFC. But on the other side, because they have won four straight. But Buffalo, man... I don't know what it is, but they just seem hurt mentally. You know, two straight weeks of heartbreak. You know, you get the game against New England on Monday night. Then you get this one in overtime. You look at where this team was. They were in the top two in the AFC. You know, they've been trailing Tennessee for a long time. And all of a sudden, now they're seven and six. They're in the seventh and last playoff spot. And here they are losing three of four. And to me, to me, there's one problem with this team. And it's Josh Allen, not not necessarily in his style of play, because Allen is still a top quarterback in this league. The problem is Sean McDermott and the game plan is putting too much weight literally on Josh Allen. You saw him in a walking boot and there's still questions about his availability against Carolina. I mean, he did so much for this Buffalo team last Sunday. He was 36 of 54, 308 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. He ran the ball 12 times for over 100 yards and a touchdown. You got to keep in mind, in that game, he was the team's leading rusher, okay? He rushed 12 times. You know how much Devin Singletary and Matt Breida ran the ball? Seven times combined. A combined seven times compared to Josh Allen all by himself for 12. So it's not necessarily Josh Allen making the plays because we all know that quarterbacks are going to make mistakes from now and then. But it's about... The game plan, okay? They need to get a running game going. And I don't care how long it takes. If you continue to stall out, Matt Breida, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, they've all got to be a factor for this Buffalo team because Josh Allen can't do it by himself. Absolutely not, especially when they've got a tough schedule coming up with their position right now. Obviously, they get Carolina this week, but they got to play New England again. Uh, They've got a ton of more schedules. Not only that, but the sprained foot for Josh Allen is not going to help things at all. So Buffalo has got to turn it around fast, and I mean fast. And who knows if that starts this week in Week 15, and who knows if people believe that they can win that game against Carolina. But let's see if myself and our guest picker believe that Buffalo can do it along with a slate of other teams. Ladies and gentlemen, this is NFL Week 15 edition of Pick'em.
So it's once again time to make some picks with our NFL Pick'em segment. And as always, we've got a special guest picker this week. Uh, another family member, special cousin. He's also a very funny comedian who's got his own podcast, the Marvel Less Miss Maisie podcast. Tim Bridge joins the show. Tim, thanks for taking the time and recording this. Absolutely, Joe. It's 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 going to be fun, and I I I need to let your viewers know that I'm going to have very little in terms of real game knowledge. <laughs> or or anything insightful to say as i am not a f- football viewer but here we go here we, i've watched i want to say one and a half football games <laughs> for the last year so that's that's enough that we need on here so before we talk picks let's talk about your podcast you and Maisie loud uh the marvel less not marvelous marvel like the superhero franchise less miss Maisie. now this is a podcast apparently where you have seen every Marvel movie and Maisie has not. Yes. And this is sort of your way of explaining to her exactly what goes on. I- explain the podcast for those who don't know. Well, it's an introduction to my, my friend Maisie. I'll, I'll be honest. I came up with the title before anything because it's, a, it's a, <laughs> I'm not going to. That's a clever title. You can't it is say very clever. A, very you can't clever. say it's not clever. Uh, she hasn't seen any, any of the Marvel movies because she's doing this really fun thing where she has her life together and is going to medical school. <laughs> so uh, I decided she's, she's absolutely hilarious. She's one of my, uh, one of my good friends and she just hasn't seen any of the movies. So we, each episode, we, we watch a Marvel movie in release order, the, the MCU, uh, none of that, none of that X-Men or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it's fun. And, and she gives her perspective uh, as a, as a scientist and as a doctor as to if any of this, in any of these movies is medically or scientifically possible the answer is usually no but we get into some <laughs> insights and it's a lot of fun it really is just a, a blast and a way for me to talk about something that i've spent way too much time uh <laughs> way too much brain space is occupied by marvel for me to not vomit it out onto someone else i mean marvel is about as popular now as as anything obviously you got the the spider-man franchise coming out Obviously, you know, the, the predecessor would be like, you know, what do you do when Marvel stops making movies? But it sounds like they're just going to keep going with <laughs> oh, it Joe. sounds like they're going to keep going with the movies. So, oh, I, Joe, I got I got I got bad news for people who don't like these movies. You're going to be seeing them for the rest of eternity. It, <laughs> it would appear until no. one of these things bombs, which oh, they don't. They just don't. <laughs> and I can't and I'm part of the problem. So <laughs> what I, a I'm good seeing, problem. I got my Spider-Man tickets already. All right. I'm, 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 I'm on board. Uh, you're on the train and you can't hop off. So exactly. Married it, to the pot. Yeah. So what what was the um process like in getting this started? Was this just something that you and Maisie kind of said, like, you know, this sounds like fun. Let's give it a shot. Or was this something you had been thinking about for a really long time? Well, like I said, I came up with the title first, uh, the, uh, and my friend happens to be named Maisie, so it just fits in perfectly. Uh, but yeah, I, I reached out to her. She uh, had expressed an interest in this. She, you know, you're, when you're going through medical school, you, you need a reprieve. And, uh, and so this has been a, a, a nice little journey. We're about 13, 14 episodes in, uh, and she's a fan of some of the movies. 
and not a fan of some of the other <laughs> I think it's great also because you got the diehard Marvel perspective, which is you, and then the outsider perspective, you know, maybe someone like your average show, no pun intended, who yeah. <laughs> just 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 see the title and are just kind of going with it. So it's a fun premise. I, I can tell you I've listened to a few episodes. It's a lot. Awesome. It's a very fun presence. Um, so let's let's dive into some picks. And as you said, you're not a hundred percent knowledgeable fan of football, but we're gonna make the picks happen. We do I mean, have a sh- I, I, I know some things. I work in a restaurant and ESPN is on the TV at all times. So I get glimpses. I'm not, so get- I'm not coming from z- from zero perspective here, but <laughs> there's some kind of knowledge there. Um, exactly. Before we get into it, the shakeup in the standings. We have a new person in second place. Last week, Nick Devlin goes 11 and three. He's sitting in second, still chasing Johnny Mansaridis at 13 and three. And the good news for you, Tim, is we've got. All teams playing. We've got 16 games to pick from, pick from, and there's a chance you could upset Johnny. So you ready to? I like ins- I like my chances. All right. All right. You got 16 chances to get them right. Let's see if you can do it. Come as on. we as we start with the Thursday night game between Kansas City and LA. Chiefs look like they're back, but they're on the road for against the team who some are saying started the slide in the Chargers beating them earlier, but. Chiefs nine and four, Chargers eight and five. What do you think between the Thursday night matchup? I'm liking the Chiefs. I, I like Patrick Mahomes. He's got a he's got a, a great um, he's got a great acting ability in those State Farm commercials. <laughs> and no, I know that the Chiefs were struggling earlier this year. I, you know, I think the football you got to play the streaks. You got to play the teams that are hot. And uh, and and the Chiefs are Chiefs are looking solid as of late. So I want to just. I'm going to throw my weight behind uh, Mahomes and the and the Mahomes down in Kansas City. All right, I I I think they're called Mahomes. I think I'd have to get in touch with some if, people. If not, there. if not, trademark. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I call it. <laughs> you want the Mahomes? I'll give it right to you, and this will be the pod to do it. Um, I agree <laughs> with you, Kansas City. They're just on a roll right now. Chargers. They're still. A lot of questions about them at eight and five. They're still fighting for the playoff spot. I think it's going to be close, and I feel like either team could win, but I'm with you there as we go to Kansas City. It'll be a good game. Yes, it'll be a very good game. As now we go to Saturday games, we got a couple Saturday slates starting at 4.30 with the Raiders and the Browns. Vegas at six and seven. They have been sliding since starting five and two. Meanwhile, Cleveland feels like they've got their whole team in COVID protocols, including their head coach, their quarterback, their star wide receiver. I mean, we don't know if they will be cleared in time for Saturday, but Tim, what do you think with a banged up Browns team hosting the Raiders? I'm going to say, I like the Cleveland Browns. It's hard not to root for teams that for your entire life have been terrible. Uh, you, you, you like seeing them uh, a little life in them. And uh, I got a friend who's a, who's a big old Cleveland Browns fan. And one of the half games I watched was the Browns beaten the narrowly beaten the, the, the Ravens this past week, uh, let them come back in the game. 24, to, <laughs> 24 points in the first half, zero in the second. We don't like that kind of momentum, but I heard that Hulu has live sports from baby. baby. Most, of these, <laughs> most of my picks are going to come based off of the commercials that these NFL players do. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, so don't I'm forget, don't forget the progress. Don't forget the progressive commercial. I mean, Baker Mayfield's got his own home right there in Cleveland. This man, this man is 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 taking over the airwaves <laughs> in, in terms of the breaks between the things we want to watch. Exactly. I mean, you could also say the same thing about the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders haven't been good for many many years. They've only made the playoffs like one time throughout 
both of our lifespan. That's I do true. agree with you that, you know, despite all the COVID outbreaks and stuff like that in Cleveland, I think it's not going to be enough for the Raiders. They're kind of spiraling out of control. Are they in Cleveland? Are they in Cleveland? They are in Cleveland. Oh, game over. That's Browns all week. That's Browns all day. Of course. I mean, like we said, the progressive commercials, Baker Mayfield's, it's his home, not his stadium, his home field. It's his home, literally. His home. And, it, Cle- and Cleveland, that's a tough town to play in because no one has anything else to do <laughs> in Cleveland except root for their sports teams. That's why they're so diehard in all those sports teams. But yeah, I'll agree with you as we go with the Cleveland Browns. And then we go to the nightcap between the hometown Patriots. I should say hometown because you did grow up in Massachusetts. Yes, just no, like yeah, me. That, the that's, Patriots. My that's my team. If I, if I were go. to have a team, it would be the New England Patriots. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect. They go 9-4 and four off of the bye week against the Indianapolis Colts at 7-6. and six. They're also off the bye week. Obviously, it's not going to be a windstorm like it was in Buffalo a few weeks ago. Pats are probably going to pass more than three times, but that was crazy. That was absolute, insane. Insane game. Oh, and you man. watching the pregame too. If you see like the analysts, they're falling out of their chairs from the wind. That was, oh, I, I saw, and I saw the, Oh my gosh. I saw uh, clips of uh, Peyton, Peyton and Eli have like a quarterback version of the Manning of broadcasting, cast. But like yeah, a the secondary cast. broadcast. And, and the, just the disappointment that, <laughs> that they couldn't talk about, <laughs> passing the ball because that's what they know about yeah and, that, and b that the run just kept working that was wild yeah it kept working but new england's probably gonna pass it more it is indoors in uh lucas oil stadium this is a big spot for both teams really in playoff uh standings colts out of the picture right now new england still at the top could win the afc east if the bills lose their game but what do you think between the pats and the colts uh, you know, I, I want to root for the Pats. I like I like Mac Mac Jones is playing well. He's prospective rookie of the year, uh, pretty easily, I think. And I say that as someone who knows zero, could not <laughs> name another rookie. <laughs> it's the but, it's the rookie of the year that you know that I know that I know of that I've heard of. <laughs> uh, I I think I'm gonna go with the upset. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say the Indianapolis Colts are gonna take this game. I think they're coming off a bye week. They're gonna get a little bit too relaxed. And uh, I think that the Patriots this year, as well as they are playing, they have kind of a false champions, false first place vibe where it's almost like they lucked into it. Uh, so I'm I'm, I'm going to say they're going to slip a little here. They'll still be leaders. They're still going to be a contender. <laughs> but uh, I, I got it. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, it's another one that could go 50-50. Obviously, you know, I'm sort of on the same boat as it's kind of been sort of a flawed schedule. You got teams that aren't healthy, you know, windy conditions like in Buffalo. So this is going to be like a really true test for the Patriots to see how well they match up against some of the team's best. I do still think defense-wise, if this team can force Carson Wentz at quarterback to make a lot of mistakes and don't let Jonathan Taylor the NFL's leading rusher uh, go absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. They should win this game. That's why I think, you know, I got to root with my Patriots. I got to pick the Patriots to win this one because they see they're such, they're a team with a chip on their shoulder. You know, no one expected them to be nine and four top of the AFC. So I think they're just going to ride that confidence and go all the way. I think they do drop a game eventually before the playoffs start. But this week I do like Indianapolis. I think they can, 
overpower the Colts over there. Plus, with the history between the Pats and the Colts, Brady and Manning, you know, it's almost like the Patriots always have an upper hand on them. Start a new, yeah, start a new. Yes, it's a, it's a new, new rivalry. New rivalry. Jones <laughs> and Wentz will <laughs> carry us into the future. As Then we go to the Sunday slate of games. Speaking of the aforementioned Bills, they are coming off back-to-back losses to the Pats and to Tom Brady and the Bucks. They travel home to take on Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, who are five and eight. A lot of questions on both sides of the field, Tim. But between the five and eight Panthers, six, seven and six Bills, what do you think? Uh, I, I I gotta I gotta go with the Bills here. I think that Carolina uh, doesn't have it this year, and that's proven by the fact that they signed Cam Newton. So <laughs> no matter how well he's been playing, uh, which uh, of which I know nothing, is he playing well? Is he he's been, been benched twice. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I like the Bills. <laughs> I like. My, I'm sticking with my instincts. Got to go Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, there was a w- one little instance for Newton when he signed, and then he scored two touchdowns against Arizona. But even then, that seems like a distant memory right now. Cam Newton's not what he once was. And I think, you know, mentally, this is huge for Buffalo. If they can win, this will sort of get the mentality back on them. Because, I mean, look at the last two games. Losing in overtime to Tom Brady and the Bucks, And then uh, in that windstorm it, on their home field against the Patriots. So mentally, you got to think, where are they? You know, this was a top team in the AFC. And now they're on the last playoff spot, number seven. So I think this is a bounce back game. And I like Buffalo to come up with this one. But it's got to be more than Josh Allen just making plays for them as we then go to, I would call maybe the easiest matchup to pick the 10 and three Arizona Cardinals and the one 11 and one Detroit lions. They're at Ford field. They're in Detroit, mm-hmm. but Detroit has only won one game this year, Arizona, a top three team in the NFC at 10 and three. Is this one even going to be close between the cards and the lions? I think it's going to be closer than you think, but I don't, but I think uh, at the same time, the Lions are also a team that have been terrible for the entire time that I've been alive. I mean, just what are you doing up there in Detroit? What is happening? How, how, how with all the moves and, and, and you, nothing's latching on, you got to go Arizona here. I will say uh, there's a man on the Lions whose last name is Penasini. And that, <laughs> that makes me very, that makes my heart happy <laughs> and i want to root for him i want to say i want to say the the, <laughs> the the cardinals win but penisini catches the snitch oh <laughs> uh, i mean i didn't i didn't even know that we probably have to double check go ahead what exactly no i know this for a fact i know nothing about the nfl well, but just i know what... there is a man named penisini on the detroit lions well, just what kind of position he plays is he a running back or a wide receiver you know? i couldn't tell you <laughs> i well, want to say defensive tackle but you know you know maybe a forced fumble or an interception right there by penisini so I like his chances. Yeah, he's got a good chance, but the Lions don't. Arizona for him. Get out of Detroit, Penisini. (laughs) Get out of there. Get on a more exposed team like uh, the Packers. (laughs) More exposed team for (laughs) Penisini? I don't know about that, Joe. (laughs) I did not plan that. That was not intentional. Um, This is an easy one. Arizona at 10-3 coming off a tough loss at home against their – the LA Rams, but 
this is a team that um, off of the loss, you know, they're better road team. If you look record wise, they're undefeated on the road. They're only like 500 at home. So they play better on the road. Plus it's Detroit one eleven and one should show you the record right there. It's, there it's going to be a blowout between the Cardinals and the lions. Arizona wins that one. As then we go to the AFC East, a little nice matchup here. The three and 10 jets, the six and seven dolphins, Miami also coming off a bye. They started one and seven. I should say they started 1-0, winning against the Pats. Then they lost seven straight, and now they've won five straight. And here they are at home against the Jets, who, again, another team has been all over the place for our lifetime. This is a, an at-home matchup here in the AFC East. Uh, what do you think between the Jets and the Dolphins? I like the Dolphins. You got Like I said earlier, you got to go with the streaky teams. You got to go with the, the hot, hot streak teams. I like a team that goes... That, that goes losing all the time and winning all the time and coming right in at 500. Uh, that's it's, I think that's way more exciting of a season uh, for a Miami fan uh, <laughs> than, you know, going one and one, two and two, three and three, you know, uh, go with a hot hand. And also, I don't, you know, I don't like the Jets. I don't like the way the Jets look right now. They're a bad team. So I'm, this seems almost as easy as the last one. Jets are going to lose. <laughs> bet yeah. on the Jets to lose. If you want to make easy money, bet on the Jets to lose. <laughs> that That is a safe bet. I know people in a lot of like suicide pools might be thinking Dolphins. Um, again, the Jets are a total mess. You know, they've had a bunch of different quarterbacks. Zach Wilson at quarterback is getting better, but they just don't have the weapons that Miami does. Tua Tagovailoa is playing so much better at quarterback than he was earlier in the year. And plus, they've just got a ton of weapons. Defense is coming alive. I like Miami in this game, and that's going to make that AFC tighter and tighter with them getting to 7-7 seven and seven after this win. As then we go from the AFC East to the NFC East, Cowboys and Giants, Dallas 9-4, and four, just barely holding on last week against Washington. Here come the dismal Giants. Daniel Jones not going to play. We know it's still going to be Mike Glennon, but... Regardless, do the Cowboys beat the Giants at Meadowlife? This is my upset of the week, Joe. Gotta go with the New York Giants here. Uh, Cowboys are floundering, according to the ESPN screen that I saw at work the other day. They're just not playing. Dak Prescott is not uh, the way that he has been promised uh, just as of late. So I'm going to say that the New York football Giants are going to be coming through with the upset victory. Ooh, that's a that's a big upset. And I kind of yeah. I kind of like going on the limb for for that upset just because Dallas with you know I talked about it in our previous segment, but with all the weapons that they have, you'd think they'd be better, but inconsistency has been the problem. I mean, what were they up 24 to nothing at one point last week and they won by seven, you know, mm-hmm. having Washington recover the onside kick, Prescott throw it a pick six. I mean it's it's legible, but I don't think it's enough, especially with the uh, Giants team all out of sorts and uh dallas should win this game they should win this game i wouldn't they be- won't joe i'm <laughs> telling you right now they all right i'm gonna put a little asterisk saying upset of the week and if he gets <laughs> well we'll see what happens i get three extra points if i get that one all right <laughs> so I'm, I'm negotiating all right. this all right we'll put it on the table we'll discuss for the future <laughs> we stay in the nfc east though and talk washington and philadelphia the football team at six and seven still as of right now in a wild card spot currently the sixth spot meanwhile the eagles are knocking on the door one of many teams are six and seven this could ultimately decide 
if another team from the NFC East gets into the playoffs, it will, it will probably either be Washington or Philadelphia. But what do you think between the battle of the six and sevens? I can't not root for the best named team in all of sports, the Washington football team. Uh, I, I know, I know nothing about either of these teams. I don't know what I I couldn't, if you gun to my head, I could not name a single player (laughs) on either of these squads, but I, I, I just, I have so much admiration for, for the, this being the second year in a row that they are, they just did not choose a name for their team. I wish every team in every spit city in every sport would follow suit. <laughs> Cleveland Indians shouldn't have changed to the Guardians. They should be the Cleveland baseball team for two years. <laughs> I can't not root for for Washington here. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I think the football team is gonna win. <laughs> that that's sounding like a real true expert right there. The football team there you will go. win that one, and I, the football team will win. <laughs> and what's funny is that the football team is actually a finalist for the the team that Washington might be going with. They got all these mascot names but it's they might be just going with the football team for the I rest don't of- want I don't want them to pick a mascot I don't <laughs> want them to there's well, nothing you can come up with that is better and more descriptive and more esoterically terrifying <laughs> you want to scare the fans make them think that their team isn't a football team <laughs> I mean I, Eagles versus a football team I'll take the football team take the football team <laughs> Pull those uh, birds out of the sky. <laughs> I think in this matchup, though, I think the Eagles with the offense they have and the bye week they had, I think it's a nice refresher for them at home at the link. You know, it's going to come down to if Washington can stop Jalen Hurts in that Eagles offense. They're looking better and better each week. And these are big playoff implications on the line. I do think at home the Eagles should take this one, but I wouldn't be surprised. Again, another matchup, I wouldn't be surprised either way if the football team or the Eagles come out with the win. But for this week, I will go with the Eagles on this one. As that's we go, those that's those tied record teams. That's the hard. That's those. These are the hardest ones to pick. Exactly. And speaking of ties, we got the six, six, and one. That one being the tie. Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Tennessee Titans, nine and four. Tennessee, another team coming off of a bye. They're currently sitting in second in the AFC right now, so they basically got to keep winning to even have a chance to buy for that first round buy. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh's just fighting for their life to get into the playoffs. They're sitting at 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. Ben Roethlisberger, all reports are saying this is his swan song season. He's going to retire after this year. So does Big Ben and the Steelers keep it going at home against Tennessee? I feel like a, if, in order for something to be a swan song, it needs to be good. So uh, I don't, I don't know if this is, <laughs> I think this, you could just describe this as his last season. A swan song would be like, I won the Super Bowl, and that is not going to happen. And they're not going <laughs> to win this week. I'm taking the Titans. Yeah, that I, you know, swan, swan song being, you know, this is a first ballot hall favorite two time Super Bowl. But sure. we've <laughs> <All right. laughs> just going on past success. That's all, <laughs> it is. all it is is past success. But again, Big Ben doesn't look like the Big Ben of old. Uh, Tennessee, they are banged up, but this Steelers team is a good defense. And I think they can shut down Ryan Tannehill and that offense with how banged up they are. Again, we're still waiting for Derrick Henry. He probably won't be ready until the playoffs. Uh, AJ Brown's still on IR. Julio Jones isn't the same guy. So I ultimately think the upset here is going to be Pittsburgh. I think at home, the Steelers, you know, they, like I said, a couple of weeks ago in the mindset of the Steelers, They're going all in for Ben Roethlisberger to get him at least to the playoffs. You know, 
I agree with you. They're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're by and far not the best team in the AFC. But I think they've got a mindset of let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. And I think Pittsburgh comes out with the win. I think this is going to be an upset right there. Six, six and one goes to seven, six and one. That is, this one... Your, is this your upset of the week that will get you three more points if you get it correct, <laughs> as we have previously established? <laughs> I mean, I don't get any points, you know, for what <laughs> kind of picks, but I'll put it on the table for myself. I'm like, good hey, stuff. My... Give yourself some points, Joe. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, we go from an exciting game to probably the worst game of the week. Two and 11 versus two and 11 Houston and Jacksonville. Yeah. That expression says it right there. That's not going to be a good, we can make short time on this, but all I can say is urban Myers still looks like a mess at head coach in Jacksonville. Is that going to be enough though, for Houston to overpower? What do you think between Texans and Jaguars? Yeah. Gotta say Jacksonville, once again, another team that has been so bad as long as I've been alive. You know, how many number one picks does it take to to get you to more than two wins a season? Uh, I'm going to go with Houston on this one, uh, just based on, uh, yeah, I think the Jags are just kind of, they're messed up. They're messy. It's messy in Jacksonville, and I don't I mean, like their I don't like their chances. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the reports, too, all throughout the year with Urban Meyer, I mean, not Oof. getting on the team plane after a loss. You've got, uh, apparently, he called his assistant coaches losers. He's fighting to have their young running back not on the field and instead have his old college player. I mean, it's it's a mess right now in Jacksonville. I'd be surprised if Urban Meyer makes it a year. To be fair to Urban Meyer, um, two and eleven. Technically, <laughs> they're losers. They're they're, <laughs> they're losers. Are, are are they winners? They're not winners. They're, they're playing in Jacksonville. Well, I mean, I guess it's, you know, if he said, I'm a loser, just like all of you, then it makes sense. But that you know, was, yeah, that would be a little self-aware there, Urban. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> um, I agree with you. Houston, easy win right there. Uh, Jackson. Yeah, give, me, give, just... me, give me rural Myers next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. That <laughs> Suburban Myers. Suburban maybe. Myers. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that'll be the next coach for uh, next year for Jacksonville. As then it we go. help. <laughs> they'll still lose spoiler alert for next year jacksonville jaguar fans you're still gonna lose even if they have bad. the number one pick even Too if they bad. have that pick we now go to cincinnati and denver this is going to be a much better game both teams at seven and six on the cusp of the playoffs Cincy with a heartbreaker last week in overtime to san francisco meanwhile denver seven and six again this is a team started three and oh their kind of wheels are falling off a little bit but they're still in the hunt this is one of those games, Tim, again, where whoever wins has the best shot of getting into the playoffs and the other team feels like they might be eliminated. What do you think between Bengals and Broncos? Is this in Cincinnati or is this in Denver? This will be at Mile High in Denver, mile Colorado. High. All right, then I got, I, in that case, I got to go with Denver. It's getting to be that time of year where the, the teams that are playing in the colder areas are going to have advantage, an extra home court advantage thing going on. And Mile High especially, you know, the air up there, Joe, it's thinner doesn't work out and you got to be ready for it altitude you got to be ready for it i'm gonna go with the denver broncos here cincinnati once again a team that just really struggles to get right above the cusp and I'm, I, I gotta go with the prestige team that's got a little bit more historical uh chutzpah to, <laughs> to get the to get the win that's that's a good word right there chutzpah especially yeah. with with the Fleming there you are right on the money about Cincinnati is that they're always on the cusp but they could just never get over the top same thing here this is just a very young Cincinnati team a little inexperienced when it's coming down to this home stretch 
Joe Burrow's only in his second year. They've got a ton of weapons, as I mentioned in our previous segment, but I think Denver, you know, they've got Teddy Bridgewater. He's probably as accurate as any other quarterback. I do like this team again, another 50, 50, but I think Cincinnati on the road is going to take this one. Cause it's almost like night and day with the Bengals one week. They're good. They're beating, you know, the uh, chargers chiefs, you know, all those teams. And then they're losing to teams like the jets. I mean, it's so night and day. I think this is the night portion of the Bengals. Oh, I just picked a team that lost to the jets. I just picked them to win a game. No, earlier in the year, earlier yeah, in the no, year, but, but that's so sad. That's so sad. <laughs> They well, the Jets the have Jets? three. The Jets have three wins, oh, though. Do, oh, that. Oh. Tennessee is so one of the other wins. Tennessee is the other wins, and you pick them to beat Pittsburgh. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> They're set in stone. No changing. <laughs> no changing. So I think for me, Cincinnati is going to win this game. Uh, it'll be the night portion. They'll look good in this one. As then we go to Atlanta, San Francisco, San Fran seven to six again. Another team fighting for those wild card spots in a tough NFC West. But they're still holding on. Meanwhile, I got the Falcons, who basically have been awful since the Super Bowl game. You know, Matt Ryan's moralizing. Yeah, demoralizing. But they're still six and seven, though. There's some somewhere in their mind they're saying we got a shot at the playoffs. They've probably got to get a win, get a win on the on the road in San Francisco to make that happen. So what do you think between the Falcons and the 49ers? I'm going to go with the 49ers here. I, I like when the 49ers are good from just like an aesthetic standpoint. So I'm, I'm rooting for them for that reason. Again, gun to my head. Couldn't tell you a single person. <laughs> Jimmy G. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got to root still, for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's still the quarterback. He's with still all going. He's yeah. still trucking. Oh, and yet, man. and yet they picked. Then yet they picked a quarterback at number three, Trey Lance. But Lance is sitting on the bench. Jimmy well, G. You got to be ready. You got to be ready for when for when Jimmy D- G's gonna hang. hang. <laughs> he's still <laughs> only like thirty. He's still got plenty of years left. Hey I, man, it's that. football. They, they get <laughs> smacked in the head a lot. You don't know how long you're gonna have a guy. You know, with his head on his shoulders. Uh, I gotta go with Sam Fran here. Uh, I. For, for for the because I just learned that Jimmy Garoppolo is on the team. <laughs> now go, you're go certain sit. in that. Pick. Now I'm a San Francisco fan. All right. <laughs> I agree Niners. with you. I agree with you. The Niners should win this game. They've got a great offense going, like we saw last week. They've got a ton of weapons and defensively, I think they can shut down Atlanta. Atlanta's just all over the place. They can't stop San Fran defensively. They can't score offensively. It's just going to be an overmatch. I expect a blowout by San Francisco. A big blowout, maybe a two touchdown win at least. Maybe, maybe Atlanta goes up 28 to three. <laughs> <laughs> little reverse psychology there. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see as we stick in the NFC West and go with the Seahawks and the Rams. Rams coming off a big win Monday night in Arizona. They're now nine and four, still fifth though in the NFC standings, chasing the Cardinals. Meanwhile, Seattle, they did get the win last week but they're still five and eight, still an uphill battle to get to the playoffs. What do you think between the Seahawks and the Rams? Uh, I'm uh, upset. Number two, I'm going with the Seahawks here. Uh, I like I, Russell Wilson's a streaky player. You know, he, he, he he'll, he'll play crappy. He's been mostly crappy this year, but I will say that he's got just that talent to, to, to pull it out in a game. And I think he's going to rise to the occasion here and, and beat a Rams team that, uh, it's a little cocky right now, I bet. It's yeah, not a little good. Yeah, not only that, they got a 
bunch of guys on the COVID list, including Odell mm-hmm. Beckham Jr., Jalen Ramsey, Tyler, uh, Tyler Higby was on there. Uh, it It's not a bad pick to pick Seattle, but I just think, as you said, Wilson's streaky. The offense is great when they show up, you know, with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I just think for LA, their defense is finally coming around. And Matt Stafford is kind of, he's getting his mojo back from earlier in the year. He was making a lot of mistakes uh, during his, uh, during the Rams losing streak uh, and they're losing ways. I think LA pulls, pulls it out. You know, there's still a possibility. All these players could still play. Um, we don't know about vaccination status, but if they can get cleared before uh, Sunday, they'll be able to play. But I think regardless, the Rams should win this one, but it's going to be close. I think it comes down to the, the final possession between those two teams who wins it as then we go, maybe game of the week. I'd say here, 10 and three green Bay, eight and five Baltimore, we're still awaiting to find out if Lamar Jackson is going to play a quarterback, but otherwise the Ravens are eight and five. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers continues to roll Packers over the bears last week in a big win. What do you think between the Packers and the Ravens? Does Aaron Rodgers get it done again? I think Aaron Rodgers gets it done again. I think the Ravens are a little uh, uh, out of sorts right now. And when you, when you lose your quarterback, I mean, that's it. Uh, honestly, the, the, you know, it's a rarity for a, for a backup guy to really come through uh, the way that uh, the way that you would want them to. Uh, there's a reason they're the backup, but I, as, as someone who watched the Ravens last week, yes, expert, <laughs> expert over here, as someone who watched the Ravens last, last week when they didn't uh, have Lamar Jackson, ooh, rough looking team, rough looking offense. They did almost come going. back with Tyler. They did almost Hunt, like- come back. They did almost come back, but it was, it's, you know, I don't see them greasing the wheels and I think Aaron Rodgers is just too hot this year. Uh, let's hope his, uh, holistically healed COVID toe <laughs> doesn't cause any issues. Well, I, I would have thought you'd pick Green Bay for seeing all the State Farm commercials with that lot, that long flow of hair that Rogers Look, you had. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I've 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 fallen apart from that. Maybe 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 when he was on Jeopardy, uh, that was. That was <laughs> That, that, that was a time where I wanted to root for him. I almost want to not root for him so that he can get the Jeopardy job because I thought he did a pretty <laughs> good job on Jeopardy. Yeah, he but, was uh, pretty good. Yeah, he did all right. Uh, and then he uh, revealed that he's not a smart guy. So, <laughs> so maybe he shouldn't have that job. Uh, I got to go with the Green Bay Packers. Hey, he's smart enough to be the Packers quarterback. It's been Brett Favre and then him. So he's, he's doing something right, but... I agree. As you said, this Baltimore team is just injuries, 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 not only at running back, but at cornerback defensively, they're all over the place. They can make it a game regardless, but I think, you know, it's, I put it like this. If Lamar Jackson is in the game, they lose by maybe a touchdown. If he's not in the game, they lose by three touchdowns. Let's put it like that. That's just how good green Bay is right now. They are number one in the NFC after Arizona loss. So I do like green Bay to get this one done in Baltimore against the Ravens. As then we go to the Sunday night game, NFC South matchup, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Bucks. Tampa had 10 and three overtime win against Buffalo last week. Meanwhile, the Saints just sputtering out of control, but they did beat the Jets last week with the return of Alvin Kamara. So what do you think with Tom Brady and the Bucks? Do they get it done at home against the team that beat them twice last year in the regular season? I think it's an easy win for Tom Brady and the Bucks. I think that it's hard to not, bet on Tom Brady uh, statistically over the course of the last 20 years. So uh, yeah, I think he's going to get it done. He's basically the prospective MVP this year, or at least like leading that race. 
uh, and he's a tremendously old man <laughs> doing that. So uh, I think this is an easy win for the Bucks. Uh, Saints just don't have it this year. They're a little they're streaky, as you say. Uh, so I gotta go with uh, gotta go with Tom Brady. Gotta I, gotta go with Tom Brady. The ageless a, wonder. The ageless wonder. The wonder. The wonder how he has aged. So <laughs> how does a guy who's forty four look like that? I think is a is a good question for for uh, Tom Brady. A lot of diet exercise. Probably <laughs> probably probably being phenomenally wealthy doesn't hurt. <laughs> I definitely agree. Um, this comes down to if Taysom Hill for New Orleans can avoid the mistakes. I think having Kamara back gave him that sort of sense of comfort. That's why you saw the Jets' performance so well for New Orleans. But, you know, if that offense can't produce, then it's over. Because we're seeing Tom Brady and that Tampa offense at its peak right now with Gronkowski at tight end, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. All the weapons that they have, Fournette is running like a freaking beast for uh, Tampa Bay. So I think Tampa should win this game. But we've seen in the past, New Orleans is Tom Brady's kryptonite since he's been in Tampa. In the regular season, so far, he's 0-3 against the Saints while part of Tampa Bay. But they did beat him in the playoffs. I think that streak comes to an end. It's going to be closer than people think, but Tampa should win this game over New Orleans. As then, the last game we got here is the Monday night slate, as always. Minnesota and Chicago. Vikings at 6-7. and seven. Bears at 4-9. and nine. Bears kept it competitive with Green Bay last week, but just ultimately couldn't pull off the victory. Meanwhile, the Vikings were able to bounce back on Thursday night against the Steelers after allowing Detroit to win their only game of the year. What do you think between Minnesota and Chicago on Monday night? I think I'm going to go with Minnesota on this one. They, they got purple uniforms, which I like a lot. The Bears historically are... You know, historically meaning as long as I've been alive, not really, <laughs> uh, not really, but because they used to be big, the big old bears, you know, and now, and now here they are. I think, uh, Minnesota's colder, uh, than Chicago. Mm, well, actually it'll be depending. in Chicago though. Be in Chicago. Uh, yeah. Gotta go with Minnesota based on, like I said, literally nothing. I like the purple <laughs> uniforms. Uh, right, they're, they're called the purple people eaters. Hey, and they're going to eat people who are bears <laughs> there you go that's our resident expert tim bridge making some picks <laughs> um, i agree with you i think chicago's just all over the place they're just waiting for the end of the year so they can fire their coach and they're just all over the place but i think i think minnesota does pull out the win i think they're a good team but they just have a hard time showing up on a week-to-week basis this week they do show up and they win against chicago so There we have it. Our picks for NFL week 15. Tim, thanks for taking the time for those that want to catch out uh, your podcast, tell them where they can find it, maybe where they can find you on social media. I know you got some uh, upcoming comedy events coming up. So just let the people know what uh, is going on in your life. Sure. Uh, You can, you can follow, listen to the marvelous Miss Maisie on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify or on Podbean directly if you want to go like direct to the source. Um, yeah, you can follow me on social media. I'm, I'm, I'm usually, I think I'm at haha Tim Bridge across the board, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and TikTok. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me on, Joe. This is uh, this is really great. Yes, a lot of fun. So that does it, Tim Bridge. Thanks again for joining the pod and good luck on your picks for NFL Week 15. I like my chances. New leader right here.
again. A special thanks to Tim Bridge for joining the show. A lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. And you can see why he's a comedian. You know, very funny takes right there. We'll see how he does in his picks. But shifting from the NFL, we go to the NBA. And of course, the not only the NBA landscape, but most of the sports world has been talking about Stephen Curry for last Tuesday night, becoming the new three-point king at Madison Square Garden. Now, in examining the situation in itself, it was kind of ironic to me, at least, that it was at Madison Square Garden and against the New York Knicks, because if you remember in the 09 draft, Steph Curry was sitting there at number seven for the Golden State Warriors. You know who was right after them? The Knicks. And what happens when David Cern announces that Steph Curry's the pick for Golden State Warriors? A rain of booze comes crashing in because the Knicks knew about him. They knew about Stephen Curry and how much he might have turned that Knicks franchise around. But if it couldn't have been in Oakland, it had to be in New York City. It made the most sense, not only for that, but if you remember in 2013, Curry became a household name after his 54-point night, his 11 of 13 shooting from three back in 2013. I mean, if it wasn't in Oakland, it had to be at Madison Square Garden where he made himself a superstar in this NBA. It was off after that night in 2013, eight years ago, and he just did not look back, didn't look back at all. Now, in talking about the career of Curry, because let's be honest, he is the greatest shooter of all time. He's better than Reggie. He's better than Ray Allen. But the numbers that he has throughout his career are insane. Absolutely insane. You know how many straight games he's gone with at least one three-pointer made? 152. You know who's second? Lou Dort from Oklahoma City with 41. Think about that. 152 is in first place. Second place is 41 straight games with at least one three-pointer made. And you also have to look at the attempts, okay? He's got 29.77 for three-pointers made. He's attempted over 6,900 of them. That percentage is 43% from three for his career, for his career. And this dude came in the league in 2009. So over the course of 11 or 12 seasons, he's made 43% of his three-pointers. That's insane. And not only that, what's even more insane is the amount of games he did this all in. He broke the record in 789 games that he's played. That's over 500 less games than both Ray Allen and Reggie Miller. So he's done this in the fewest amount of time. And what's funny about it is these numbers could even be amplified by the time Curry decides to hang up the sneakers is because he's going to be 34 in March. You'd think he has at least, at least three or four more prime years left in his career for Golden State. So I kind of agree with what Charles Barkley was saying on that night, is that this is a record that might not ever be broken. I don't think it's ever going to be broken because he's at 29.77 right now, okay? And you have to look that over 500 less games, that's an equivalent, if you're doing the math, 82 in a season plus a uh, few playoff games here and there. That's about five years worth that he got it in, okay? That means Ray Allen and Reggie Miller would have to basically shoot all near perfection 
over the next five seasons if Curry were to hang it up right now. So this number is going to be amplified. It could even get to 4,000 at one point if, if his career, if it comes to an end. Okay, it could get to 4,000. And I think this is one of those records that's not going to get broken, at least not for a very, very long time. You got to remember, it was 10 years ago, Ray Allen broke Reggie Miller's record. And then here comes Curry to break Ray Allen's record. But he's still, like I said, I think he's got maybe three or four more years left in the prime of his career. So there's still plenty of time for these numbers to go over the moon right now for the way things are going. Now, in terms of his all-time status, because that's what the teaser was about, I think he's at least, at least top 10 greatest of all time in the NBA. Because you got to remember, this is a guy who revolutionized the game, okay? He's like Babe Ruth, Magic Johnson, Wayne Gretzky, all these guys who made others change their style of play. It's, the NBA has become a three-point shooting league where if you're not shooting the three ball, most likely you're not going to have a sustained career in the NBA. And that's what this guy, Stephen Curry, did. Now, I don't put him in the list of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron, Larry Bird. You know, it's different for a guy like Reggie Miller or a guy like Ray Allen, where all you know is that they can shoot. They can shoot three-pointers. But if you've looked back on all the incredible plays that Curry has, He's seen he's got handles. He can finish at the rim. You know, is he a stout defender? Probably not, but he's more than just a guy who can shoot the three ball. Okay. That's his trademark is the range and the shooting. That's his trademark right there. But you look back, he's a point guard with handles. He can finish at the rim. He's acrobatics from time and again. So that's why I'm sort of in the back half of greatest of all time, you know, maybe in like the eight, nine, 10 kind of range like that for Steph Curry. Cause he's definitely there. You know, he's a, he's a game revolutionizer. That's all it is. That that's what helps his case. And the fact that he's not just a shooter is that he's got handles. He's got range. He can finish at the rim. That's to me, what gives him sort of the edge over a Reggie Miller or Ray Allen or any of these other great shooters of the past. So Steph Curry is in, my top 10 of all time for the NBA. And it's just incredible to watch, to watch this guy because he went to Davidson. You know, you think of all the, the big time schools, you know, Michael Jordan went to UNC uh, magic, went to uh, Michigan state. Larry bird went to Indiana, all these big time schools. And Steph goes to Davidson, which is like a D is like a lower D one high D two. And all of a sudden, he's turned into the greatest shooter of all time. So I salute and congratulate Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors for becoming the new three-point king in the NBA. Now, of course, the big headline in the entire sports world has been the resurgence of COVID-19 cases. I mean, we got the presence of Omicron right now. Reports are saying it's a lot more active. It's tri- more transmissive. Cases are mild, thank goodness, not just in the sports world, but the entire, entire world for this new variant. But 
we're seeing the COVID lists for the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL just continue to rise and rise and rise. I mean, you've got so many teams going through outbreaks right now. The Cleveland Browns, the LA Rams, the Boston Bruins, the Chicago Bulls, Detroit Lions, Washington football team, Calgary Flames, and that's just a few of them dealing with personal outbreaks within their team and within their organization. Now, in the NHL, they've got more than two dozen players placed in the COVID protocols over the last two days, including Calgary, who has 19 team members in protocols. And then you've got other teams like the Browns or in the NFL, where you've got over 100 players who have tested positive since Monday alone, Monday alone including Washington, who's got 18 total players in protocols. Now, the good news that we're hearing from the NFL is that most of these cases are asymptomatic. Now, I'm not a scientist or any kind of health expert, so I'm not really, you know, a number one expert right here to talk about it. But my guess is that, you know, much like everyone who probably got the vaccine shot um, earlier in the year, that immunity is probably waning because of the six months sort of thing. And booster shots are probably going to be needed for the protection. And we're learning from the NFL that they have until December 27th, you know, I'm top tier people like, you know, coaching staff, organization, stuff like that to get a booster shot. But, you know, this is something that in the sports world that we've seen over the past year and a half that they can work through, you know, there are going to be these little uh, glitches and speed bumps here and again, here and now. And we've seen teams go through it. You know, we've seen NHL postpone some games. We've seen the NBA postpone some games in the NFL. Some teams are going virtual on their practices. So this is something that, is, is something that they've gone through for over the past year. So it's not like they don't have any experience in our consulting health experts. What do we do? What do we do? You know, are they taking enhanced steps? You know, we're, we're hearing about a couple NFL teams going into higher tiers in terms of protocols and stuff like that. But in terms of how you handle this, you know, I just have a couple suggestions, you know, number one is the booster shot, obviously. And I'm not one to criticize if you don't want any kind of shot or not. If you give me a really stupid reason for not getting a shot, that's when I criticize, you know, saying like, you know, oh, I don't want to. It goes against my religion or something like that. But I'm not one to judge because it is personal preference. So I'm I'm not one to judge if no one wants to get a shot at all. But boosters are probably number one, according to science. Number two, I think you got to bring the masks back in. You know, you look on sidelines and stuff like that, maybe not. You know, with the, with the NHL, because it's so like, you know, one in, one out, maybe masks don't need to be there. But, you know, for NBA, if you're not uh, on the sidelines or not on the bench for the NFL, you should probably put them on. But this is just an outbreak. You know, it's a, it's another outbreak. You know, we saw this at the beginning of the MLB season in uh, 2020. We saw in August just this last year, the Yankees, the Red Sox, they went through this. So we've seen teams in the past have these kind of outbreaks and have been able to deal with it without these um, sort of um, vaccine sort of scientific things that that they've been able to work with. You know, the good news is that the out is the vaccine and all you got to do is just boom, get the vaccine. You're done right then and there. But again, I don't judge. I don't judge. So we've seen the sports world handle this before. We're seeing we're seeing Canada go back to a 50 percent capacity for uh 
for all their games up in Ontario. You know, I think that's like Toronto and uh, other places like that. So we're seeing, we're seeing how they're managing it. And, you know, obviously this variant is different from like Delta or the initial COVID variant that we saw. So it could be, it could be totally different. And again, I'm not a scientific or a health expert, but those are just some of the steps that I see the sports world should really maybe pay attention to or revisit to try and quell this thing. Because we we've seen in 2020 that a world without sports is a very scary world. So Hopefully the sports world can manage this outbreak and we can continue to see some great action in the world of sports. Next, it's our usual segment. Let's get local. Let's talk about some of those Boston teams. And of course, the headline has to be about the Patriots now coming off a bye, playing an extremely crucial game on Saturday night. It's funny. I said that uh, a couple of weeks ago about the Bills game. Then we say it about the Tennessee game. You know, every single game is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. This one, to me, is the biggest test that they've had since their winning streak, you know, since they've won seven straight. Because not only are you fighting for a playoff spot, but you've got the AFC East possibly on the line. You've got the one of the top seeds in the AFC. You're still going for that bye because as of right now, even with being on a bye week, you're still number one in the AFC. But things are just getting tighter and tighter with Tennessee and Kansas City both at nine and four. And I think in this game, a win against Indianapolis will not just sure up that playoff spot, but I think it gives the Patriots a greater shot at winning the AFC East because not only even if both Buffalo and New England win, you know, that sets you up for next week where all you got to do is beat Buffalo and you win the division. And then you go into the week after that, you win that one, you know, regardless of that or Buffalo lost, you win. So this win would put New England really in the driver's seat for winning that AFC East title. But Like I said, to me, this is probably the biggest challenge that they face because let's be honest, in the past seven games that they've won, they've beaten the Bills in a windstorm, the Titans who are not at their their highest peak, you know, no Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, et cetera. They've beaten a lot of subpar teams. I mean, really, you could argue that the Chargers win was the most legitimate. They're not all of the games. All the wins are impressive. Don't get me wrong. They're totally impressive. But in terms of challenges, This is going to be the biggest one right here because you've got a great Indianapolis team. You're inside. The weather's not going to be a factor at all. And this is a very dangerous Colts team. And the way the Colts are, this is one of those matchups where Bill Belichick and the coaching staff have to make the quarterback win the game. Like we saw in the Tennessee game, making Ryan Tannehill beat you or in the Cleveland game, making Baker Mayfield beat you. This is a game where you have to shut down the run. And it's not going to be easy because you have the NFL's leading rusher, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, you look at the numbers since the Colts started one and four. He's gone for over 100 yards in six of the last eight games. So it starts right there on that defensive line with Christian Barmore, with Devon Gottschow, with Matt Judon. They've got to control the line of scrimmage and control Taylor, control Hines, everyone on that running game. They've got to shut it down and really make Carson Wentz try and win the game because there's really not a standout receiving option. I don't think the Pats wouldn't be able to lock up when you look at the 
uh, pass catching options that Wentz has with Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Jack Doyle. You know, I, I don't see anyone that is really a game changer, you know, not like, you know, a Stefan Diggs or a George Killer or someone like that, you know, because I trust the I trust this defense for New England to be able to force some mistakes for Carson Wentz, because we've seen when Wentz is in trouble, he can make the mistakes. But we're seeing this year compared to the Philly years that Wentz is not a game changer, that when he's on his two feet, he's just got to manage the game for whoever he's playing with, whether it's Philadelphia or Indianapolis. But I think this is a defense that can force some mistakes from Carson Wentz. I I really do think they can, because I, regardless of whoever they've played, this is a top defense in the league. You know, maybe I put them top five, top 10 at least, because you have great secondary help with JC Jackson. Jalen Mills is playing much better than people thought, you know, at the safety position, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, and obviously Devin McCourty. You've got great linebackers with Hightower, Van Noy, Collins. And then, like I said about that defensive line, pass rushing with Matt Judon. Uh, that that was a name I forgot to mention in Defensive Player of the Year when talking about Micah Parsons. Matt Judon is in that category. But I think defensively, this is a team that can force a lot of mistakes from Indianapolis. This is a team, you know, they are going to be game managers, Indianapolis because they are one of the top teams in terms of not only takeaways but giveaways so this is a team I don't think is going to try to force the mistakes so much but I think the defense might be able to lull them into that now on the other side of the ball for their offense they're definitely not going to throw the ball only three times I think they're going to let Mac Jones throw it a lot more times than just three obviously the conditions played a big factor in Buffalo But similar to Carson Wentz, Mac Jones just has to limit the mistakes too because this is one of the top defenses in terms of takeaways. They actually are the top defense in takeaways at 29. And so everyone on offense has to have a safe-like mentality with that football. That means that ball goes nowhere. Harris, Stevenson, Bolden, they've got to hold on to it. The receivers, the minute they catch the ball, it's two hands, you know, once you see tacklers coming on so they've got to hold on to the ball and it's just going to be between the Colts and the Pats who makes the least amount of mistakes that's really all it's going to come down to and do I feel confident that the Patriots can win this game I do I do feel confident but this is basically the last hurdle for at least for me to say okay this team can be a force in the playoffs they can be legit And they can make some noise regardless of what happens. This is, to me, the last hurdle. Once they get over this, then I'm jumping on the bandwagon to say, you know what, this New England team can do some damage in the playoffs. And we'll see what happens on Saturday night if they can go into the horseshoe and beat the team that it seems like for years they've they've always had a number on. I was listening to the radio. They said that the Colts haven't won since 2010. Of course, that infamous fourth down play with Kevin Falk, that was the last time the Colts beat him, and that was with Peyton Manning. So, you know, maybe it's not a rivalry, but we know that these two teams do have some history. So it'll be very fun to see what happens between New England and Indy on Saturday night. But, of course, we got to get to the court now and talk about the Celtics. I mean, they are like night and day so far here at 14 and 14. I mean, from the last time we spoke, you see this team get embarrassed by Phoenix, but then turn in an impressive outing 
against Milwaukee. So takeaways from that is that it's good to see Jalen Brown back in action. You know, they are being very, very cautious with that hamstring injury, considering Brown has had a history of hamstring injuries, you know, missing multiple games. The thing is, though, you can't be that conservative, though, if you're still like on the fringe at 14 and 14. And as of right now, you're in the 10th spot in the playoffs or something like that. If you're getting into that mid pack mentality and get to five or six, like I said, was realistic, then you can be conservative. But the fact is you're only at 500 right now. And we're seeing, we saw against Milwaukee that he is the difference maker since he is probably the second best player on the Celtics team. I mean, 19 points, five assists, four rebounds and 30 minutes of action are good. But of course, It starts and ends with Jason Tatum. I think his struggles are far behind him now. I mean, he's got, he's averaged 26 points per game in the month of December. And I think whatever he had at the beginning of the year where he's only scoring like 15 or whatever, I think those are gone. Those are long gone. I think overall though, the problem that this Celtics team has is effort. It's an effort problem that they need to fix. I mean, you see these teams showing up at, You know, they're just not showing up after struggling in previous games. We're talking about a consistent 48 minutes for this team. Limiting the turnovers and the low percentage shots has to be what the Celtics have to fix because we're seeing it right now. They're not up there with Brooklyn or Chicago, you know, not with those top teams in the Eastern Conference right now, not with Milwaukee. But it's on a consistent basis. You know, you want to see effort like in the Milwaukee game every single night. And, you know, part of that comes with, you know, the shooting struggles. You know, Dennis Schroeder isn't going to have a great night. Al Horford might not have a great night. But it's about, you know, game planning and stuff like that. And maybe you get the young guys in. You give Neesmith more time, Pritchard more time. Obviously, we're seeing Grant Williams have a huge impact off the bench. But... It's an effort thing from the Celtics team. And I think it starts with Tatum and then it trickles down to Brown and smart, you know, cause I think, I think Brown doesn't have a problem with effort on a consistent basis. I think it's smart. I think it's Tatum. Those two guys have to show the consistent effort, you know, for a whole 48 minutes or however long they're on the field, 35 or 38 minutes each night. So it, it comes down to that, just effort, effort, effort. If you're not showing any effort every single night, then you're going to continue to hover around 500 and you're going to continue to show up for the elite teams like the Milwaukee's or the Clippers for you know a good portion of the game. And then you're going to lose to some struggling teams like um, you know the struggling teams like you have upcoming. Obviously, the Warriors aren't a struggling team, absolutely not. But what I'm looking at this Friday is at least an effort, you know, are they going to keep it close with golden state is going to be the biggest question for me with the Celtics team. If they can keep it close, if they can keep it competitive, then you can still have that glimmer of hope. But if you see them the very next game or against teams that are struggling um, like, you know, new Orleans or Houston or, you know, any teams like that, if they continue to struggle against those teams, then there's time to panic. Then it's panic mode for the Celtics team. But 14 and 14, it could be a whole hell of a lot worse with this Celtics team. But a team that probably couldn't get worse are the Bruins, because not only do they continue to struggle at 14, 9, and 2, I believe is the record, 
they've got a COVID outbreak they're going after. And it's not only that, but your two top point scorers are now out for at least 10 days. Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Craig Smith, all in the protocols. Now, when I first sort of heard this and kind of thought about it, it could be possibly a blessing in disguise for Bruce Cassie and this coaching staff because you're forcing guys like Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle. You're probably going to see them step up to the first line. But then you see guys who have struggled to perform this year, like Pasternak and McAvoy, and even DeBrusque, who continues to ask for a trade. You know, they'll get more ice time and perform like everyone knows they can. You know, you see guys like Felino and Howla, they're going to get more ice time. So for Cassidy, it's kind of maybe instilling, you know, maybe this is a wake-up call to Pasternak and, and Hall to say, hey, you're one of our top players on this team. Let's see you perform like it. Because they have been leaning on Marshan and Bergeron this entire season so far. So now it's time for someone else to be the goal scorer, to rack up the points. You know, it's that time. This is the time to do it. And looking at the schedule, it's not the worst time to lose some key players. Obviously, you know, a 10-day isolation would make all these guys miss at the Islanders, at the Canadians, at the Senators, home versus the Hurricanes, and home versus the Avalanche. Okay, now, the Hurricanes and the Avalanche probably are the, the toughest games right then and there. Those other threes, they can be winnable. Those are all teams that are struggling at this moment. So, it's not the worst time to see all these guys go out and sort of just game plan to see what guys work best. Because if you're seeing guys like uh, Felino and Howla, if they're performing better, then you can trust them to be on the second or the third line, because we're seeing the problem for the Bruins is just depth, you know, outside of the perfection line, there's really no one else that has stepped up for this Bruins team and has racked up the points as much as, Marshan and Bergeron have, but with them out, it'll be a real test for the Bruins to see what they can do without their top two scorers. And it'll be a real test in the entire city of Boston to see if they can continue the success. Lastly, as always, it's our LOL moment of the week. Now, this is for not only the sports buffs, but all the movie buffs out there as a brand new movie trailer just came out and it's about a sports biopic. But the trailer, not 100% convincing for most people. So I'm not sure exactly who I'm giving this to. I don't I don't think I can give it to any of the actors for portraying it. So I, I, I kind of came to this conclusion that this week's LOL moment of the week goes to Netflix. So I only give it to Netflix for the fact that they are producing and releasing this movie. So the movie is called Home Team, and it's about New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton and how he spent his suspension for Bounty Gate in New Orleans in 2013. Now, the true story is that Sean Payton spent the suspension coaching his son's sixth grade football team. And eventually, you know, they turned it around. At, at least that's what I'm assuming. But 
Sean Payton's being portrayed by Kevin James. Okay. Now I, I personally like Kevin James. I, I don't think he's terrible, but I think in terms of portrayal, you know, a comedic actor like Kevin James portraying someone maybe as hard nosed or as serious as Sean Payton. And then when you look at the trailer, you know, just some of the, it, it doesn't seem that, you know, realistic, you know, even though, Reports are coming out that Peyton read and reviewed the script before they filmed in April. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not 100% bought in to this movie. First off, I didn't even know that the movie was being made. I didn't know it should, had to be made because, you know, when you have a situation as serious as Bounty Gate, you have um, players getting bounties over hurting people, you know, I don't think people want to know, oh, what did you do while you were suspended? And boom, it's a comedy. I'm, I'm not fully bought in. And, you know, maybe I got a couple movie buffs out there, so maybe they can lend their, their hands and their expertise into this. But I don't see a lot of success coming with this movie. You know, I, again, I like Kevin James, but it's like you got Taylor Lautner as the head coach. You know, some some of the scenes were just kind of, they were unrealistic. You know, I don't think the team could have been that bad or, you know, cause it eventually the trailer shows that the football team is basically incompetent. And then once Sean Payton becomes an offensive coordinator, they all of a sudden turn it around. Now, I, unless someone can uh, argue with me on this, I'm not sure that Sean Payton himself can turn around a team where According to the trailer, they look that bad. And, you know, you have a kid jumping out of the way on defense or, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I feel like for, for Sean Payton, I think this was more about, you know, maybe the connection between him and his son getting back onto the same, the same field. But even then, it's not 100%. You know, I'm probably not going to see this. And even if I were, it would just be to see how bad it was you know i'm not i'm not sold on this movie and i know i've got a bunch of uh movie buffs like i said a couple of friends who will probably give me the expertise on this one if they feel the same way or maybe it's just me maybe it's just me but just the way things looked in the trailer not a hundred percent sold on this being a biopic and you know will it be a comedy yes it's listed under a comedy but in terms of you know maybe moving movies I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, the movie starts with an assistant not knowing who Roger Goodell is on the phone. You know, I'm just, I'm not bought in. I'm not bought in. So Netflix, the fact that you purchased this and decided to go through on this biopic of Sean Payton lands you into this week's LOL moment of the week. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Let Me Speak. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure, as always, you follow our pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All you got to do is search Let Me Speak Podcast. And remember, as always, if you've got a point you got to get across, just let the whole world know. Shut up and let me speak. <laughs>